chapter 36, I believe. Let me uh, pull this up here on, on the old YouTube so that I can uh, respond to questions and comments in real time. There we go. Got that pulled up. And um, frequent viewers of the program will see that I've got a little bit of a live stream hack, which is that uh, turns out when you wear a hat, you don't have to brush your hair in the morning. <laughs> Joke's on you, hair. Nobody brushes their hair who works from home. Okay, I'm just going to be straight up with you. That's, that's one of the ugly truths of the work from home industry. Nobody brushes their hair. I think the live stream is cool. It looks like there are a couple of dropped uh, frames, but I think everything's on the up and up now. Um, so first up, a little bit of housekeeping. <laughs> I always love when people say that. A little bit of housekeeping. You will notice that uh, I've got right here on the screen, uh, I've got a list of um, I've got my topics all lined up and uh, you will not be surprised to see that I am using Airtable to um, to power this list um, I keep finding cool I keep finding cool use cases for Airtable and um, previously what I was doing for these streams is I, I was preparing on a notepad, my list of topics. Um, and then I was like, I had this realization where I was like, Oh, I'd love to have a record of all these topics. Cause like I might have eight or nine topics on a given live stream and maybe only two or three of them will go through po post production, get their own dedicated, you know, text post and dedicated video post. And then the other ones are just kind of out there in live stream land. And so, um, I realized it'd be cool to have just a record, so I created this. Um, now this is not the full view of the Airtable because I'm in my, I'm in my screen share Chrome profile, but I'm creating a list and I'm going to use it for my actual um, stream, and then also it'll be a, a great record and I'm, um, it'll be a great record to refer back to, kind of like a database of everything I've sort of you know talked about or thought about. The other thing I'm doing here um, is uh, this segment dropdown. So <clears throat> one of the things I'm trying to do a better job of is sort of bucketing the things I talk about into different categories. Like I've been talking a lot about content lately, and I know that's not super relevant to a lot of the people on my main Twitter account. Most of, most of the people on my main Twitter account are interested in Magento stuff. And so I've got sort of a number of high level categories of things that I tend to talk about a lot. Magento being one, you know, developers and work, you know, sort of being another one, content being a new category. So I'm starting to segment these out and I'm actually going to, uh, and you'll see this in here, I'm starting to set up separate Twitter accounts um, by topics so that I can um, you know, try to avoid over overloading people with all of my fire hose of, of, of stuff and sort of segment them out. So anyways, I'm pretty excited about this. With no further ado, let's jump into the first topic of the day. Mage Mojo. Um, so 
Oh, is this not going to show me the full? I need to see my full. Oh, here we go. Let me let me change that to a tall so I can see my full uh, note here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I saw a tweet recently about this, and um, I don't have it handy, I, but it was basically talking about how um, the pricing model that Mojo Stratus uses uh, is is really cool because it incentivizes them to um, basically improve um, the performance of their hosting infrastructure. Like incentives are kind of aligned. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember the original thing, but it was like, let's say you're paying a hosting company X amount of dollars, right, uh, for hosting. And um, if you are way under capacity, they don't have any incentive to be like, oh, hey, uh, you're only using 20% of your capacity. You should downgrade your hosting plan. And it's, and, and it's not to say they won't do that. I mean, obviously, if they're, if they're a cool company, they'll, they'll do that, even though it's against their best interests. Um, but it's even better when interests are aligned, right? And so the way that Stratus uh, pricing works here pay per use pricing um and it's basically um pay per session i believe it's been a little while since i've looked at the uh homepage here but um yeah here we go twenty five thousand included sessions so it's it's um it's pay per session which is really interesting um and i i don't know if they might be the first to actually do this i mean they, uh, that i'm aware of so they're kind of innovating a pricing model here um, definitely within the Magento community, I'm pretty sure they're the, the first to do it. A couple minor issues on layout here with this iPad view, but again, if you've looked at my stream at all, you've quickly realized literally no website on the internet really pays attention to their um, responsive view for tablet. Just doesn't happen. Just does not happen. But um, anyways, but... So yeah, so this is um, you know this is a really uh, interesting model, um, and um, you know just because again, like the idea is that if they're they're incentivized to optimize infrastructure to minimize their costs per session, um, and then you're just paying per session, so you're always sort of paying the right amount. Um, and then it's up to you as the merchant to optimize your revenue per session, essentially, right? So this is a really interesting, nice, clean handoff there, which I think is cool. Um, and yeah, that was sort of that was sort of all I wanted to to cover there. Um, kind of a short and sweet one. Also, have a great fifteen minute SLA um, service level agreement response time. Uh, which is cool. Um, and uh, yeah, oh, also related, I think this is, I think I have this lower, lower down the list. So now I have to decide whether I want to change my order of operations here or not. But um, Eric, uh, founder, uh, CEO of, uh, co founder, CEO of Mage Mojo, started a uh, podcast or a YouTube channel. Um, uh, called Load in the Loop, which is a great name. I'm going to get more into this in a sec. 
um, sponsored by Blackfire. Um, and it's, I believe it's him and Ivan uh, Ciperni. Yeah. Um, uh, where they identify and fix Magento performance issues live. And so this is the kind of stuff that, you know, Eric and the Mage Mojo team like live and breathe is um, Magento performance, troubleshooting, this kind of stuff. So um, anyways, I'll, I'll do a more thorough look at that, I think, later in the program or sometime some other time. But it just goes to show that they're they're deep into this uh, into this world. So anyways, that's that next topic. Close a couple of my tabs. Um, okay, so this is on the topic of um, this is on the topic. This is a, this is a work. This is in the topic of sort of work productivity. Um, and this is so, so I had something yesterday where somebody mentioned a scenario where they were like, well, you know, I was trying to uh, talk with this client and then the client missed a scheduled meeting. Um, and then we scheduled another one and then I missed the next one. And, and it's like, it made me think, you know, like it, this is the reason I bring it up is this is something I, I this is a, a pattern that I see um, obviously, uh, and, and I feel bad that the client was not, um, as responsive as they should have been. This is a commerce hero match. And I, I'm a big believer in both sides of the deal need to be responsive. Like I want, if clients aren't responsive, then they're going to get less, um, you know, opportunity to use the platform because they need to be responsive. Like unresponsive clients are, 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 are annoying, you know? So but on the other hand, it's like, it's like, uh, I think sometimes we can make the mistake of like, if one person is unresponsive or misses a meeting, then it's like, well, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Like I can miss that next meeting and it's like, well, we're even, right. But it's, but, um, I think maybe subconsciously people think about it that way, but I really don't. I think that that reflects poorly on you, even if they did miss a meeting, like, for you to then miss a meeting now it reflects poorly on you as well whereas you should either say L listen um you know you missed a meeting as a client i'm no longer interested in in working with you and make a clean break like i think that's a legit way to approach it or you can say look you missed a meeting let's schedule another one give them a second shot um and then that's a good way to go as well but if you miss that meeting it's like you might feel like you know, you're even, but you're really not like now you just downgraded your responsiveness. Um, so that's, that's all that is. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, I guess, kind of a common sense thing, but it's, it is a, it is a pattern that I see. So all right, next up uh, shopware is killing it with API first focus. So I've been talking about API coverage. Actually, we, uh, me and Phil, Ip, me and Philip, uh, talked about this on Mage Talk yesterday, which um, we recorded yesterday and should be landing soon. It was a great episode. Um, we talked a little bit about API coverage um, in the context of Magento, which is something that I've been ranting about um, a good bit lately. And uh, Dominic Klein uh, with Shopware uh, chimed in. And he said, um, that's exactly the approach we're following during the development of Shopware 6. 
treat your APIs as the primary user interfaces of the software. Every other interface has to be built upon the APIs provided by your system. Designing a headless system doesn't mean you have to deliver every bit of data and business logic via some endpoint. It's an inherent design decision you have to make and follow throughout the entire implementation to ensure your APIs are capable of providing useful interactions. So I think that's brilliant. I've heard a lot of good things about Shopware. I don't know too much about it. Don't have any personal experience, but it's one of those platforms that you consistently hear positive feedback about. I believe that Shopware has a strong developer focus. Am I thinking of Shopware or Spryker? I might be mixing up Shopware and Spryker in my head. I think I am. But I think that I hear good things about both of them. I think they're both German companies or based in Germany. But anyways, um, point is they're doing it right. And I think Magento should have this same approach. As important as Headless is, as important as, as PWA is, um, you know, it, I think that API should be given massive priority. It's not to say the Magento isn't prioritizing it, but I think this demonstrates a different level of prioritization. And so I think that's the way to go. Now the question is, does the Gartner Magic Quadrant incentivize that? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I would imagine it does not. I'd imagine the Magic Quadrant, you know, doesn't necessarily, you know, give a lot of points for that. Um, which, you know, um, Magento is, is prioritizing the, the quadrant. That's, <coughs> excuse me, that's the name of the game. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's the way to go. Okay. Next up, uh, this is a little bit of a meta topic. Um, I am realizing that it's insane that I'm not, um, doing paid distribution, uh, uh, paid ads for Commerce Hero. Um, and so this is sort of a meta topic where I'm, I'm like complaining about the fact that I'm being slow. And simultaneously, I think that um, some of the reasons why I'm not doing it are probably the same reasons why other people aren't doing it. And as I'm thinking about, you know, the content team stuff that I'm productizing, I'm also thinking along the lines of how can we make it easy for people to um, get into doing paid ads um, and basically how can we solve this this problem that I'm facing personally. Um, and so, you know, I've dabbled with, with paid ads, um, Facebook video, Twitter, you know, a little bit of LinkedIn. And I always sort of follow the same pattern, which is, um, I test a few things out. They don't work as much as I'd like them to. And then I kill the campaign cause I'm like, this is a waste of money. Um, and you know, the name of the game is that, you know, um, you know, paid ads can be super effective, but you got to do them right. I mean, it's like anything else, you know, you got to do them right. And there's a lot of ways to do them wrong, which I've done probably all of, all of them. And so, um, I think you got to have the right creative. Like I'm still not entirely sure as much content as I'm putting out and I'm getting better at segmenting my content and doing Magento specific content and commerce con figuring, getting better at, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> getting better at, um, um, realizing which content is really relevant to which audiences. 
um, which in and of itself is a is a is a challenge and a skill set. And then and then from there, picking content that is is you know works really well and is really optimized to run as an ad um, is the next step for me to take. And then after that, um, you got to have somebody that knows how to like, let's assume you have a great piece of creative. It's, it's, it's targeted to the audience. Well, like for example, I should do some content on, you know, why commerce hero is a, a great place for developers to find jobs and just speak directly to developers on that. Um, and then once you have that, you still need somebody that knows how to do knows how to run the ads effectively on the platforms um so i kind of i i think i kind of have to find that person um and that's why my link for this particular topic is to the upwork facebook ad specialists i've actually been having a lot of luck lately with upwork for finding um you know different people to do video editing and writing and things like that so this is is probably the first place I'm going to look for um, Facebook ads people. And then, of course, the question is, well, should I run on Facebook? Should I run on LinkedIn? Should I run on Instagram? Should I do all of them? Um, some Something in between. So that's something I'm trying to figure out. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people are also trying to figure that out. So, All right. Uh, next up. Okay, so um, this is actually a new Twitter account I created. <laughs> zero, zero followers. Um, this is um, along the lines of what I was talking about with uh, creating uh, separate accounts for the different um, you know segments of, of of things that I talk about. And this this account is for when I talk about uh, content. So I'm going to start putting all my content related stuff here so that I'm not overwhelming my main uh, Twitter account with stuff that maybe isn't as relevant to that audience. Um, so uh, this was just something I was thinking about yesterday. To put out content consistently, you need to recognize the feeling you have when there's something you want to talk about. Then you just need a system to jot that down in your notes so that you can come back to it and expand on it later. So as I've been, as I've been doing more content and I'm doing uh, live streams for 20, 30, 40 minutes every day and it's like, the more, um, and, and not all of the content is good, but, but increasingly I'm, 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 I'm figuring out how to find which nuggets are good. And, and there is, there is more stuff that is getting a lot of traction and, and is doing well. Um, and, uh, like once you start putting out content regularly, like something happens where it's just like a, it's just like a fire hose of, of ideas that you get and things that you 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 want to talk about and stuff like that and of course then like as i said then the challenge is you you don't want to overwhelm your audience with that so you want to segment it intelligently and so i'm still working on that but as far as having that creative output um consistently um this is one thing i'm i'm realizing is like i don't like i don't like sit down and just like try to think of stuff to talk about. Like I have a system for it, which is like, you know, and this is what I'm talking about is recognizing this feeling where, um, you know, it's usually if I'm taking a walk, I'm going about my day and I'll think about something. And in the past I would just think about it and then that was it. 
But what I do now is I, I have, I, I have a system to jot it down and I usually use my, uh, voice notes on my Google keep. Um, and I just jot it down real quick. And then, uh, I have a system in the, in the morning where I, I go through and review all of those notes I jotted down and, and I do different things with them or I, I put them on my list to talk about. Um, so it's, it's really simple. And I've heard this, I've heard this, um, type of thing discussed in different contexts. Like for example, uh, Joe Rogan talks about how, uh, in terms of comedy, if he gets an idea, he has to immediately, and he talks about how he'll like tell his wife, he has to run out of the room to write it down or whatever. Like, so this is definitely, um, something that is just happens in a lot of creative contexts is you get that idea, you got to write it down. You got to capture it. Um, either capture it or, you know, do your content right there on the fly. I mean, you could record a video right there on the fly. What I'm starting, I was doing that in the past and that can work well. And what I'm doing now is I jot it down and then the next morning I, I talk about it. But, um, but yeah, you, you just, it's like, it's almost like you get attuned to recognizing this feeling of like, Oh, that's something that is interesting to me. That's something that I, I want to share some thoughts on. Um, and then you just, it's, it's almost like you get attuned to that, that feeling and then you start to recognize it a lot more and, and, you know, and then you just, you know, it just snowballs. You got more and more and more and more stuff that, that that's coming to mind that you're, that you're talking about. So, so yeah, so that's that. Um, okay. Next up chasing the blue dot. So, <laughs> um, I, this is one of those phrases that sort of popped into my head and, um, I, um, so the tweet is, I'm starting to think that if I were to ever write a book, it might be called chasing the blue dot. And it would be talk about how Twitter has changed my life professionally, personally, along with some of the downsides of social media addiction, etc. Um, and I've often thought like, you know, like would I ever write a book and I've, I'm always like, I, I, I don't know what I'd write it. I don't know what I'd write it on. Like I, there's nothing that, you know, I don't, I don't have like a message, you know, that I, I need to get out there. And, um, and this, this phrase and this idea just kind of popped into my head. Um, and, and, you know, as I've been thinking about, um, Twitter, you know, specifically and like social media and like, um, how, uh, when I was getting into the Magento community, Twitter was such a big part of it. And now that I'm obviously still in the Magento community, but I'm, but I'm broadening my interests a little bit and, and, um, trying to participate in other communities and stuff like that. Um, I'm also using Twitter in, in the same way. And it's just a, it's just such a powerful, um, it, it, it's just a, such a powerful, powerful platform to, connect with people and connect around ideas and stuff like that. And like, um, it's funny. I, 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 I didn't think about it as I, I sort of thought about it as just like a little tool that I used, um, to, you know, grow my career or whatever. But then as I take a step back, I'm like, dude, I've been on Twitter for like, gosh, almost 10 years, nine, eight, nine, ten 10 years, something like that. Used it super regularly. A lot of the people, a lot of my, closest friends are like people I've met on Twitter and then I ended up meeting in person. It's like, it really has been this big part of my life. And I have a lot of thoughts on sort of how to use it effectively, how to, um, 
uh, what are ways that are not effective. And then like there's a social media addiction. So chasing the blue dot, um, the idea behind that is when you, when you see a notification and you, you like immediately want to tap to see it, you know, and like, and then you want to reply and then like sometimes you can get into arguments and, and <clears throat> there is an addictive component of course to social media. And I think it's kind of crystallized in that blue dot. Like you want to see that blue dot. You want to see that notification bell. Um, and yeah, and so just some different strategies I've been trying to use to kind of manage that effectively and, and stuff like that and, and whatever. So anyways, um, yeah, that was just, that's just something I'm thinking about. Like I, I probably not going to ever write a book, but <laughs> if this is just an idea I had for, you know, maybe doing that. All right. How are we doing on time here? Uh, 25 minutes in, not bad, not bad. Let's see how long we're going to go here. All right, next up, how many of your sales are attributed to your podcast? So this is a question I got asked the other day. Um, how many of your leads do you get from your podcast? And um, I remembered like I get asked this, I've, I've been asked this so many times. So I thought it'd be a good, um, a good thing to address. And um, the short answer is I really don't have a good answer to it. Um, I haven't done a great job of tracking that uh, historically. You know, I, I have added, um, you know, like a referral field where people can fill out where they uh, where they heard about, you know, Commerce Hero or whatnot. And I do, you know, glance at that. I don't really have a good systematic way of attribution, but I do glance at that and, and you know, I'll, I'll see, oh, cool, they came from HTalk. Um, and, and like, even if you did, like, you know, it's always sort of impossible to track referrals really effectively um even if it, i was very systematic about it um it makes me think about something that gary v talks about which is um uh, sales versus marketing and short-term sales versus building brand and like in a short-term sales context and he talks about how everybody's so focused on short-term sales right you want to know what's my cost of acquisition you know i want to spend x dollars and i want to get you know, more than that on that customer. And that's fundamentally got to be over a relatively short time window versus building brand, you know, you know, spending however many hours to do 200 episodes of mage talk over the past five years, right? Like what's the ROI on that? And it's like, it's, it's, it's hard to measure, but like, it's something that you, you feel when you go to a conference and meet people and they're like, Oh, I love the podcast. And, and, you know, um, when people want to use your services and they want, you know, there, there's a, there's a trust relationship that's, that's built. Um, it, it's hard to measure, you know, it's, it's fundamentally hard to measure. And that's kind of what Gary B talks about is you really should focus on building brand, play the long game. It will work. It is effective. You're not going to be able to measure it very well though. Um, which is one of the challenges and one of the reasons why a lot of people don't do it. Um, but it's extremely, it's extremely powerful. Um, and so, you know, that's basically the answer is like, I don't know. My sense is that it's, it's been worth it. Um, um, you know, but, but I don't have the, the hard numbers on it. Right. 
And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, that is pretty much the answer. All right. Uh, next up, um, I've got a lot of content stuff. I've got like, how many of these? Like five in a row there, content. Um, okay, so I was thinking about this the other day. The Jets might be the only sports team I actually care about because of uh, Gary Vee. So, uh, obviously, I talk a lot about Gary Vee, but he, um, if you've never heard him talk about the Jets, um, he's a huge fan. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not a big sports guy. I, um, you know, as far as following teams and stuff, I really, I, I just never have been. Um, it's always awkward when like people ask me like, you know, like, who's your team? And I'm just like, oh, Dallas Cowboys, I guess. Um, but it's funny cause like Gary is such a huge fan of the Jets and like his life goal is to like own the Jets, win a Super Bowl. It's a, it's this cool part of sort of his story. And I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, you know, I think the Jets might be the only team I actually care about because um, I, I, I just not a big sports team guy and um, I've never like, I don't even know if I've ever watched a Jets game. I probably won't watch one, but, but like Gary V's story around the Jets um, is, is something I think is awesome. You know, like I'm rooting for him to like own the Jets and win a Super Bowl one day. Um, just cause I like him, you know? And so it's, it's, um, you know, that shows sort of the power of like affinity. I don't know what the word is for this affinity. It's related to the previous topic I did on podcasts. It's like when you like somebody, you like what they like and you want to do business with them. Right. Like, 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 you know, like when you, when you hear a podcast and you develop a relationship with the podcaster, you like them, you want to do business with them, even if you don't necessarily know that their business is the best business in that category. I mean, you know, you just irrationally human nature want to do business with them because of just affinity or whatever that word is. And it's like, it's similar with this thing. Like I like the jets cause he likes the jets, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy. All right. Uh, next up here, dude, I might just go hard in the paint and go for a full hour today. Because why the heck not? Actually, no. I need to give myself some time to like do some summer summarization of some things. Um, okay, this is just a random idea I had. Uh, this is a business idea category. I realize I talk a lot about business ideas or product ideas. And so basically that's what this is. Um, I was thinking the other day, like, all business owners talk about having overhead. It's like, oh yeah, got that overhead. You know, it's overhead is always probably a little higher than it should be. And you know, you've got things you're paying for that. Like I saw something the other day. I was like, I'm paying for, I'm still paying for that. Like, like you have things that you're still paying for. And I was like thinking, dude, there should be a product called overhead.com or .io or .whatever um, that basically helps you minimize your overhead. Like that's it. Like super focused like super straightforward domain name and business name and, and branding and like super focused, um, offering that just literally all it does is helps you minimize your overhead. It's like really simple. It's easy to understand. Um, and it's super valuable. Cause like as a business owner, if you have um, a couple thousand dollars a month of overhead or tens of thousands of dollars of overhead or hundreds of thousands of dollars of overhead, 
how easy would it be to minimize some of that? Now, some of those costs, of course, are complicated to minimize, like reducing your rent is probably hard to do, right? Um, I remember recently seeing a tweet that when you hire a controller, which I, for the longest time, I was like, what's a controller? I have no idea. And I have a buddy who's hiring a controller for his business right now. Like when you hire a controller, they're going to automatically reduce all of your um, expenses by 5% because that's just what they do. They renegotiate contracts, they da, 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 whatever. So in a way it's almost like, it's almost like a productized version of a controller maybe is, is what this is. It's like, um, you know, maybe you can even help people negotiate the, down their rent on a, on a yearly basis, right? Like by a little bit or whatever. And there's services like that. I'm thinking about there's services for personal, for, for individuals that help you like negotiate your phone bill and things like that. So basically that kind of thing for businesses. Um, so yeah, that's the idea. I just like throwing out these business ideas when I get them. And now through the power of Airtable, I'm going to like be able to like aggregate these. And then like, like it's funny because every time like I've had somebody ask me like for a, like got any business ideas and I'm like, I never remember them on in that moment, but I'm like, yeah, I, I have like one or two business ideas every single day, you know? So now I'm going to have a way to like aggregate them, which is awesome. And then also I'll aggregate them and have a little video clip about them too. So freaking sweet, man. All right. Um, I've got so many topics. Um, all right, I'm going to just, I'm going to do, I'm going to do these a little quicker maybe. So I put out a tweet. It just occurred to me the other day when I was in Choich and I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about content and stuff. I was thinking about content, like the Gary Vee content model. And um, I was thinking to myself, like there, I don't, and I could be I, like, I was like, there isn't any like preacher, like, you know, Christian leader, whatever that is like using this content model. And like the first one that does it is going to like pop, you know, like in, in mainstream culture. Um, and then a couple people replied and mentioned um, Stephen Furtick, who um, I hadn't heard about. And then I checked out his Twitter and I was like, yep, he's doing it. Um, he's doing the, um, the, the content model. And, um, looks like he's doing a great job of it. Um, so I thought, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So, um, and a lot of people were saying that he's, he's, um, he's been, um, you know, he's, he's been blowing up and stuff. And so I think that five, 10 years from now, this, this guy is going to be like, um, super, super popular in mainstream culture. Um, and like the, the meta, the meta point here is that, you know, the Gary Vee content model is just a content model that's just very effective. Um, and so in any category, like in any category, if you deploy that, um, you know, and, and if you have good content, you got to have good content. Um, but if you deploy that model and you have good content, um, you know, you're going to blow up. Like, it's just, it's just how it works. And so. Um, that's true across a ton of different industries. Like that's true across every, every, you know, industry or every whatever category. Um, so anyway, that's that, uh, next up. Um, so I wanted to walk through real quick my, um, 
I've been building out some things I've mentioned a little bit, this productized content team, which uh, we're calling Content Accelerator, is kind of the working title for the productized service to basically offer um, uh, people, you know, the video editing, writing, audio uh, services that, that, I'm, that I'm building out and I'm using myself. And so um, one of the components of that is this um, documentation. So I started to like, think about like, okay, how do I, I got to build out documentation for the team to use, um, to get them onboarded and things like that. And so, um, so, uh, I found, I was recommended, um, Gitbook, uh, gitbook.io here, which is just awesome. Like I'm so like, I'm loving this just as a, as a product, um, for creating docs. I'm on a free plan currently. They have a great little free plan. It's got, and I had looked in the past for something like this. The closest thing I'd seen to this was Help Scout, which uh, I really love Help Scout. But of course, you don't need Help Scout unless you need the support ticketing side of it as well. Um, but they have a great FAQ docs um, function, a, a great docs functionality as well. But I was like, oh, I just I just need a standalone docs functionality, and then boom, this is it. Um, so it's it's um, yeah. So this is kind of a two parter. The the meta topic here is that. Gitbook is awesome. And then specifically, um, this is the documentation that our, our team is actually using, um, which is really cool. And I decided, you know what, I'll just make this public because why not? Um, also, it, it I think allows me to stay on the free plan <laughs> because um, if I want private, then you have to pay for having collaborators that can access it and stuff like that. So I was like, ah, what the heck? Just make it private. Uh, just make it public. I kind of like the idea of like, building a business in, in public anyways. So anyways, so, you know, this is like the, uh, you know, getting started. I thought these check boxes would work. This is like the getting started page where it's like, Hey, here's the steps, you know, sign in Slack, do your profile, sign in the air table, uh, read the new content tab, you know, doc. This explains kind of how content works in our workflow and how things get assigned from one person to the next and yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, go into the, th this explains how we log time. I've got a whole, you know, sort of billing system where uh, people can log uh, time that they're billing against each, each piece of content. So we have really granular uh, billing. So it's going to be super transparent to clients uh, wh what they're being billed for. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, that's the, um, that's the, um, you know, kind of a quick overview of the, um, of the of the docs that we're building for the team and uh yeah i want to just show more and more of the stuff that i'm doing for content accelerate I, I built out some really cool slack integration yesterday so that like when something gets assigned to somebody it um using an integromat um it sends them a ping in slack um and there's a content channel where you can see a, a flow of um all the content as it's being assigned to the writer, or the video editor, or the QA, all that kind of stuff. You see that all in there. And then of course, Slack will automatically kick email notifications to people when they need them. So it's like, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that's that. I think I'm gonna, obviously I got a lot more stuff in here, but I think I'm gonna call it a wrap there. 39 minutes going strong. Um, so yeah, thank you for tuning in. Hope you have an awesome Thursday and I will see you tomorrow.